Nearly 1 in 12, or 7.7% of U.S. children ages 3 to 17, deal with an impairment of their voice or speech. My next guest, Jean Bonneau, was one of those kids and was gracious enough to share his powerful story with me. Let's take a listen. Hello and welcome to Things You Don't See Every Day with Chris Taliaferro. I am the aforementioned Chris Taliaferro, and joining me today is a good friend of mine that I reached out to because I think that he has an inspiring story to tell. Um, I told him that the first day I met him, and... Um, I just really wanted him to share his journey. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Gene Bonneau. Gene, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hello. I'm very happy to be here myself, too. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you a thousand times for being here. Um, so uh, the journey that uh, I, I, I wanted to discuss, uh, your journey today, um, was uh, primarily rooted in um, your journey with speech therapy. Um, I know that there are a lot of different facets to that, um, a lot of different, uh, different aspects of life that might intertwine in that journey, and that is not all of your journey, um, but that was the unique part. Again, the show is Things You Don't See Every Day, and I wanted to give people a unique perspective um, so why don't, I, I'm just going to kind of give you the floor and then I can, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in with questions. Trust me, I'll be nosy. <laughs> um, why don't you just kind of try to start from the beginning and let us know how you got to where you are today? Well, I am a mix between my father is Haitian, my mother's Dominican. They had seven children. The firstborn, they tried to teach him how to speak Creole and it ended up delaying his speech. So they chose to not teach him Creole anymore or the preceding six others, including me. Mm. So I don't speak anything but English. Right. But even with English, I didn't start speaking until I was six. Mm. I, I mean, I, I, I understood things and I probably spoke a little bit, but I wasn't fully speaking until I was six. And that changed when I was in St. John's in Orange. New oh, Jersey. Orange, New it's Jersey. It's a Catholic school. There was a nun who did something that she would not be able to get away with today. Mm. She grabbed me by my arms, lifted me up, and squeezed me and said, if you do not speak right now, I will rip out your tongue and I will stomp on it on oh, the floor. Oh, my goodness. A woman of God. Yeah, and thank God she did it, because <laughs> I said, don't rip up my tongue, I like my tongue. Mm. Wow. And that was it. 
So was that was that the first time? Yeah, that's the first time I spoke. Wow. And wow. Looking back, obviously she's done this before. Obviously she knows that this is effective. Right. And I don't think she meant it in any type of way. If she did it today, she would be on the news. <laughs> uh, For sure. A hundred percent. She would be carried away kicking and screaming. Or what I think is even worse, I would have been delayed even a few more years. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm I, I support uh corporal punishment or yeah. uh <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know what I support, but I what I do know is that I, I was blessed that day mm-hmm. that she knew that that would work. Sometimes in life, it's just moments. And regardless of what other people may view that moment as, that may have been the moment you needed. You know, I, I, I won't, I, I will not be the one to condone <laughs> that type of thing. But but again, yeah. but if if you're telling me that hey, in that moment, that's what you needed, that, that you know that's that's what it is. Is that fair? Like yeah, you know. So I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Just Mm-mm. so so go, so go on. So so Please. this happens. Now you're speaking. Now what's what's the next step? My mother, she started taking me to speech therapy. I had speech therapy in the school. And I also had speech therapy at a private speech therapist office. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember going there. I, I remember... It, it wasn't that effective. Sure. Uh, I don't remember anything that they taught me. I don't think that they actually taught me anything that was meaningful. Mm. I do know that my speech was terrible. No one could understand what I was saying, even now. But right now is a vast improvement. And well, I mean, I, I, I'm going to stop you right there, and I, I was going to get to this later, but I'm I'm just going to be honest with you. First day I met you, I. Until you told, until you decided to share that with me, I thought you had an accent. That's what I that, that's what I thought, and I think that that's something that you mentioned other people having suggested in the past. But at no point, at no point during our friendship have I thought, I don't understand what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying. I haven't had to say, you know, what was that? What did you say? I, so I don't know, like. I, Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit. You're also African-American. <laughs> you'd, you'd likely have spoken to lots of different people with lots of different dialects. Absolutely. Every single day that I am scanning patients, the number one question that I get asked is, where am I from? I got asked that five times just today. Mm. And... Most of the time, they they don't understand something that I'm saying or how I'm saying it. It's, you know, as I said before, I have six siblings. They all speak beautifully. They do not speak like I do. Mm-hmm. They could be telephone receptionists with beautifully speaking voices. Right. 
especially my sister Tina, man. But uh, besides not being able to pronounce certain letters, the letters that I ha I have trouble pronouncing is all, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all as in Raymond, and that sucks because that is my name, mm. Ray. And I had a very tough time growing up because that everyone calls me Ray from my family to anyone I met. In well, should I start calling school. you Ray? Because no. I call you Gene. No. Anyone that calls me, anyone that knew me in middle school or high school, any of my friends who known me, Mm -hmm. They always call me Ray. No one knows me as Gene. Yeah. And that was tough because I can't even pronounce my own name. Sure. And people would say, you know, you know, people started making fun of me very early. Okay. Because of how I speak and because I had a very bad stuttering problem. Mm. Extremely bad stuttering problem. Yeah. And eventually... You know, it, it, it led to pretty severe bullying, mm. uh, getting beat up every single day by the same bully, by the way. Wow. And same kid just yeah. wouldn't wouldn't let up. Yeah. He had a, he had a great old time. Mm. And I'm sorry you I, went through that. It's, it's it's fine. It was around the time that my father wasn't there either, and I didn't want to bother my mom with it. My whole life, I never wanted to be a burden, mm. and it has it it's it's honestly has has hurt me in ways because I need to learn how to depend on people. I need to learn how to open up and let people know when I need help. Sure, but I I don't. I would rather just handle it myself. Mm. And so if people say, why didn't you just tell your mom? I had a single mom of seven children. You, you didn't want to burden her with that. You didn't want to give her any anything extra on yeah. top of what you knew she already had to do for you and your siblings. Yeah, she, she worked night shifts. She would go to work at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. I would be there tying her shoes, praying with her, hoping that she makes it back home in the morning. And when she's home, she's asleep. And I, now I want to tell her, hey, I'm being bullied every day. And, and, and back then, even now, teachers don't really know how to handle this. They don't know how to handle a child when they're bullied. If I was principal, I would just expel all of them or mm. put them in a separate room that they can bully each other. <laughs> right. But I don't mean to laugh, but like, yeah, like just let, the, like let if, if you guys are going to be rowdy, go be rowdy in that room <laughs> over there. Leave the, leave the, 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 the calm kids alone. It's terrible because everyone knows who the bullies are. Yeah. Every child knows who the bully is. Yeah. If a principal one day says, I want to get rid of bullies, they can do it that same day. Like that. They know who they... Yeah. Even if a new principal came in and they don't know anyone, they could still find out that same day. 
Mm. But no one wants to do it. Uh, so the stuttering, the bullying, uh, that just went on for years and years. I had the same bully from first grade through fourth grade. Mm. And then the I started getting taller okay. around fifth grade. Yeah. And I stopped getting physically bullied. I started mm. getting bigger. I still got made fun of and picked on and laughed at. Uh, had no friends, but they wasn't beating me up anymore. Right. Right. The only friend that I had was this white kid who one day saw me after getting beat up and said, hey, do you want to play with my toys? And I said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Tears in my eyes and blood in my mouth. Wet (laughs) face. And that was was it. Yeah. Ian Holland. I'm very fortunate that I had him as my friend for many, many years. Yeah. He might have just been your saving grace in that moment. Yeah. But uh, enough about that. It it wasn't until I was about 13 when I decided that I wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. Not only did I have a stuttering problem, not only did I have, uh, you know, a very difficult time speaking, mm-hmm. but I also had very bad acne. Oh. Mm. And one summer I decided to really push myself and I. Cleaned my face every day with alcohol. Mm, just, just rubbing alcohol. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> many, many times a day, to the point where my skin became dry mm-hmm. and brittle. Yeah. But my acne went away. Yeah. And I wanted to figure out how to speak to women. Okay. That was that was that that was the end game. That was the goal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I was still stuttering, still in speech therapy, but I at 14 years old, I, uh, it was summertime, lots of different girls walking up and down the street. Sure. Now was, now at this point had uh had your speech therapy been progressing? No. So it really would you say it kind of plateaued and it really you you weren't making a lot speech of progress at pointless. Okay, so because because it hadn't changed at this point, mm-hmm. you were still with the same one that you had mentioned before. That was not no, not the same one, different ones, but different ones, but but, but none of them. Okay, okay, it was the same, like you said, the same methodology. So they were doing the same things. The ones before them were doing wasn't really breaking through for you yet. The problem with speech therapy as a whole is one they focus too much on your self-esteem and 
not realizing your self-esteem is not going to get better until the speech gets better. Right, right. Uh, of course, yeah. I mean, I guess some people, when your self-esteem improves, your speech improves, but that generalization should not be a blanket over everyone. Uh, but, you know, that some I decided to try to speak to women. I found every woman on the street that I could find and I would try to talk to them. Mm. Was this kind of like a practicing type of thing? I just wanted to push myself. Okay. All right. I'm a very determined person. I I can tell that about you. 100%. I ended up... Uh, I, I, I kept count. I approached 114 women. Wow. Well, I was 13, so... A hundred and thirteen goals. A hundred. So at at thirteen years old, you approached one hundred and thirteen different. One hundred and fourteen. I'm sorry. I apologize. One hundred and fourteen different girls. Yeah. How did these How did these interactions go? Were they Were they largely positive? Largely negative? Kind of in the middle? Negative. I got mm. turned down a hundred and thirteen times. Wow. So. Mm. So there was one. Yeah. So there was one. Yeah. There was one. You got to tell us about the one. She said that she is she is not single. But she has a friend who's single. And she gave me her friend's phone number. Okay. Okay. And I called her friend. And her friend was... Um, well, I'm 5'6". I'm yeah. And her friend was about 5'11". Okay, so there's a bit of a difference there. And her friend was about 300 pounds. Okay, all right, okay. And, hey, listen, there's... Uh, we're, we're not going to body shame on this show. <laughs> that would, there is a difference. I actually, I, I did... I loved every ounce of her. Oh, hey, <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, yep. there you go. I, the, I, yep. So, so mm-hmm. you said you're 5'6". I'm... I'm 5'10". Uh, I, I, I dated a girl once, um, and we're still Facebook friends, and she's a sweetheart. Um, she's about six foot, six five, six six, in, in that ballpark, I want to say. You know, sometimes she wore heels. The first time I met her, I thought she was about 6'9", because she was wearing, like, three, four-inch heels. Um, but it, it can work. It can work. I, you know, it, it, it's not impossible. So you, you, you loved every, every inch of this woman. Yep. <laughs> for like a month okay my mom even you know drove me to her mom's house and my mom is 411 oh and when she met her mom her mom was like a foot taller than my mom oh so wow oh goodness yeah you know, it was it was interesting i can only imagine but i had no friends i was not good looking i was stuttering and i was so happy to have someone Mm. To talk to someone, to be next to. Yeah. And then life changed dramatically when I was 14. 14 or 15. I got a new speech therapist who, for the first time, gave me very good advice. Uh, she told me to slow down uh, and to practice something called total speech whereas 
you talk extremely slow, mm. extremely monotone, deliberate. You give your mouth time to formulate whatever it is that you're thinking. Right. And it's funny, you know. I I think people are more accustomed to it after Obama, <laughs> but that is how he speaks. That's 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 Obama. That's yeah. so. I saw that he had the tax plan, and what he said was that he's going to try and pass this through Congress in a week and a half. Now, wait, hold on now. Don't boo. Vote. Was that good? How was, how was that? Was that, that okay? That was actually very good. I, 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 I knew exactly what you were doing. I heard it. No, but I just, I think that's, you know, I think that's a great analogy. Um... And I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, and we're going to get back mm-hmm. to what you were saying, but bringing up the Obama administration, uh, we do have uh, President-elect Joe Biden, who famously has uh, struggled with a stutter. Um, we've had people, and I don't want to make this political in, in any sense. I think people who listen to my show regularly kind of know where I lean, but I'm not, I'm not going one way or the other with this statement. Um, there have been people who have taken the opportunity to make fun of, uh, Joe Biden's vocal inflections, maybe call him sleepy Joe because he's speaking in a slow, deliberate manner at times. Um, how do you feel about that? Just before we go back to what you were saying. I if just he kind of... slowed down even more, he would be better off. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes he talks too fast, and and you can see it. You you can see him physically struggling to say something. Right. So, I think he should slow down even more. Just take his time, and yeah. So again, I don't want to get off track, and I'm uh, I, <laughs> I I'm trying to I'm trying to keep us on schedule because you know I could talk to you for three years. Um, uh, let's just get back to let's get back to your story. I'm sorry. So. You have the floor, sir. That that dramatically changed things. Your new speech therapist. Yeah. Yeah. She changed my life. Honestly, I was finally able to speak and confidently. I spoke slowly, but eventually people didn't care as long as I was able to speak. Right. And Around that same time, for whatever reason, puberty changed, and I started becoming better looking. Right. I started growing facial hair. Because you're a good looking dude. I mean, listen, I'm 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 uh, as straight as the day is long. You. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, you, you know, you and and not only are you a good looking guy, but you exude a certain level of confidence. Like the first again, the first time I met you, you know, you, you and you, you and your beautiful young lady, you know, walked in. Looking like a million bucks, I just, <laughs> I was just like, I was like, okay, this guy, this guy, he's you know, he's got it going on. So, I just, I, I don't know. That's that's just, you know, I guess maybe some of that came with puberty. Yeah, I was extremely ugly growing up. So, 
Yeah. Things things changed after fifteen. Mm. And, and and that that was also when I started working out. I I, I was running a lot. I was trying to. Because your arms are a lot bigger than mine, by the way. I, I, just for the record, if people can't see this. I'm I'm looking at my arm. I'm looking at his uh, arm. I'm I'm kind of going sorry. back and forth. I'm like, uh... <laughs> and uh, but uh, you know when I was uh, you know, and other things happened too. When I was thirteen, I ended up. Uh, getting into something with a friend we we were out one night and I we ended up breaking into some cars and oh God. taking some stuff from there yeah and then taking some guy's bikes from his backyard mm. and the police found us and my mom had to pick me up from the station mm. and I got a very good butt whipping yeah. <laughs> that morning. And I had to do community service. And after that, I was on punishment. I couldn't leave the house. Mm-hmm. But around that same time that I found the speech therapist, someone uh, gave me the opportunity to uh, express myself in poetry. I, I I was writing poetry for a while, mm-hmm. but this guy, uh, Daryl Norton, he said, hey, how about you come into my church? And we have this, uh, this vocal uh, oratory program where they teach young people how to speak publicly. Okay. And it's in Newark. And I said, sure, I don't have any friends. And you want to be a friend? Okay. Why not? Let's do it, right? (laughs) My older brother, Luigi, after he got off walk, he drove me every Thursday. And he waited the whole hour asleep Mm -hmm. in his car to take me because he wanted something positive out of something negative. Sure. And that oratory program also taught me how to speak publicly. Mm. And they they taught you how to be confident, taught you how to uh, have more courage and Right. Every three months, they have these big meetings where hundreds of students from all across the state show up, mm-hmm. and you get to speak in front of a couple hundred people. Right. And I and I did, and I practiced to do it, and I did it successfully without stuttering, mm. and that led me to do my. Seventh, my uh, seventh grade talent show in front okay. of the school. I did poetry in front of them. Wow! And that was very scary because I don't have any 
didn't have any what was it what did, were you reading um pieces from other authors or were these original these were original pieces mm -hmm. okay now the reason i asked that is because i think a lot of people would have even more anxiety not only if they're worried about enunciating and getting their message out vocally but also bearing their soul to a certain degree yes yeah but uh i had a teacher joanna wright who uh she, she mentored a lot of people mm -hmm. i mean like lauren hill even said that she was a big influence i went to the same Colum school. columbia high school yeah. yes I, for, for for the for those that don't know um we're 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 generally from the, the kind of the same area of northern New Jersey, Essex County. You could throw in Valesburg, you could throw in East Orange, though <laughs> all, all those areas. Um and uh he went to the same high school as Lauren Hill. Um so you're saying that uh this is someone who mentored her or was at least an influence in some way. An influence to everyone. She's sure. extremely impactful. But, uh, you know, she, she saw my writing and she pushed me to perform in front of students. And I ended up reading uh, a poem at my eighth grade graduation mm. in front of everyone. Mm. Every, you know, I, and I was published in a poetry book and they announced that on the loudspeaker. That was when people stopped picking on me and people started saying, hey, these actually... These are pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, that was, that was, that started getting good. Uh, so I would then, I, I would say the next stage would be when I turned 18, mm -hmm. when I decided to be an ultrasound tech. Right is when I decided I wanted to drop the name Ray. Mm. I wanted to go by Gene, my father's name. Okay. I'm not close with him. And I never wanted to be called by that name. But I figured if I'm going to be saying my name is Ray Bano for the next 50 years, it might sound better if I say my name is Gene Bano to patients. Mm. So everyone from 18 and forward, they know me by Gene. Gene. Yeah. Because it's easier to say. Because it's it's funny. I don't... Uh, I, I, I had a... Um, I talked to a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Uchenna, mm -hmm. and um, who, who I've known since... God, we... Since the first grade. Um, and he mentioned you as Ray. And... That probably speaks to the time with which, you know, you you were talking. You know, that's kind of what he knew you as first. Uchenna was a saving grace uh, in high school. Mm. Him and a few other friends that we had. I went from having no friends to having a group of solidarity with some brothers. And Uchenna, uh, Chris, Dave, 
Big Dave, Lloyd, you know, Steve. We did a lot of crazy stuff together. You had you had a squad. You had yeah. a squad. Everybody needs a squad. Yeah, <laughs> like every day hanging out. You know, I was there when you turned. I got his license, and the day of, and we went driving in the car, and we, you know, homecoming and prom and all of that stuff. And yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, fun fun fact. Uh, he attended my thirtieth birthday party, which was a costume party, and he didn't wear a costume. So I'm just gonna say it out loud. You didn't wear a costume, buddy. I don't think he would. He wouldn't wear a costume. No, no, no. no. He he might wear his Nigerian garb. Besides, <laughs> you know. No, he was no he was in his white and blue that day. I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. If I I have the picture somewhere. Listen, we're okay. So we're getting off track. Um, I, I okay. So so I wanna I I, I just kind of want to get back to what we're talking about. So, um, you're talking about poetry um doing your you know, doing your own your, your own material sharing that with the world and um and again i'm going to give the floor back to you but i did want to transition into a clip that i did want us to play so i want you to kind of take me from the poetry to the clip that we're going to play in a little bit after I started walking and got married and started having children, I stopped writing. I didn't write for a good 10 or 15 years. Mm. And then something happened. When this uh, white kid decided that he could, 18 year old, start shooting people and nobody seemed to care. Mm. The police there didn't seem to care. No one seemed to care. And the fact that other black men were shot down, that it just, it really, you know, Kyle, he, he was just so arrogantly just walking around mm. without any fear. You're talking about Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Any fear of, of any repercussions. Right. It reminds you of what just really ha- what recently happened at the Capitol riot, just walking around without any fear of any repercussions. And I wrote something down within a day. And my son, who makes music, he makes uh, beats, he's uh, very talented. Mm. I read it to him and he said, Dad, Dad, you should let me put a beat on that. <laughs> and we did. Mm-hmm. And it sounded really good together. So he said, man, we need to record that. So we went to an actual DJ and we put a song together. And he said, hey, this guy right here, he makes videos. You should make this video. Okay. <laughs> With this guy, because this is a good song. And we made the video, and... It just came together. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't, you know, blow up or anything, but, you know, I think it has, like, 15,000 views or something. I mean, listen, 15,000 views is not too shabby. Um, Just just so uh, our listeners are clear, what's the name of the song? 
Black lives don't matter. Black lives don't matter. Now, um, I just want to say personally, um, you know, Gene shared this track with me, um, what, a couple of days ago, two days yeah. ago, um, something like that. And um, I just thought it was a real good message. I thought it was uh, something that, um, you know, everyone should hear um, and, and, and could benefit from. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to play the whole song and uh, we will be back uh, after we play this song. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's take a listen. Say I must have resisted. Every 
Everything I've ever done will be flipped and twisted. They'll enlist the newspapers till the stories reprinted. Painting me as a criminal, shot for resisting. Everything will be scripted. He'll say he fears for his life. He'll be acquitted in court and he'll go home to his wife. He'll say I had a hard day, but it's all over now. While my body lies colder now, while my casket is lower down. And everything is scattered now. My family's crying now. All my hopes and dreams, they'll be all shattered now. There'll be protests for a week and they'll forget about me now. Because the truth is black lives just don't matter now. Anti-cop. We actually believe we should all support and appreciate the good ones. And we should all be equally disgusted when they lie, cheat, falsify reports, and destroy evidence and cover it all up just to protect the bad ones. And we are back. Uh, I love the track, man. Uh, I, you know, I, you know. I, I'm pretty sure I told you that earlier when, um, you know, when I first heard it. Um, and like I said before, uh, we went into it. I just thought that the the message was important. Um, so I, I, if you just just you know just speak to it, man. Just speak just just speak to what we just heard. I just I had some thoughts about how white people are treated and how black people are treated mm. and I I feel that a lot of people when they say black lives matter other people like Trump supporters they hear you know what you trying to say black lives matter more than we you know, our lives and what, why are you so special and that's not the point. You guys are missing the point. What we're really trying to say is currently black lives do not matter. They mm. don't matter to you. They don't matter to the police. They don't matter to the Congress. They don't matter to the president. They just don't matter. Mm. And I wanted to vocalize that opinion. Yeah. We're not saying that they matter more. We're just saying that right the second they don't seem to matter to anyone. You know, I'll tell you what. Um, I think that although you uh, recorded the song and did the video before, well, pretty a good amount before the uh, <laughs> the siege on the U.S. Capitol, which uh, I did another episode about. Um, I think that the message of the song is more relevant than ever seeing what was on display that day the fact of the matter is uh regardless of what you may think about that day um the the optic and and the the true fact is it was a predominantly white uh force of individuals who were able to with impunity uh siege and breach a US capital where 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 lawmakers were in the middle of doing the people's business. And I cannot imagine a scenario 
where black people could do the same thing when there was when when there were protests going on, and, and, and I touched on this with my other episodes, so for long-time listeners, I apologize if I'm being repetitive, but I do think that these things bear repeating. Um, when there, there were the protests with George Floyd, and um, oh my gosh, I mean, there's so many names that it, it's hard to keep them all straight. But over the summer, there, 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 there was going to be some Black Lives Matter protests, or there was, there was talk of it. And on the same capital that we saw stormed not that long ago, you had a police force that was so militarized they looked like stormtroopers from Star Wars. And I don't mean to get off on, on a tangent or, or run off on a tangent, but Gene, I think that's kind of what we're talking about. And I, I think that's kind of the message of the song. Is, is that fair to say? Yes, and, and it, it bothers me that before I took my son to a, uh, a Black Lives Matter protest march in Glassboro this summer, I had to speak to him and his mother and say, trust me, it's, it's going to be safe. I'm going to keep him safe. It's not going to be a riot or anything. Mm. And if there is any issues, I will leave immediately. I had to really reassure both of them. Sure. I took both of my, my both of my fourteen year olds. I, I said, you know, it's going to be okay. Mm. I don't think any one of those people had to say that to anyone. No. That day, because they knew it was going to be okay. They knew that everything was going to be fine. There was a woman who said. On, on on in front of a camera how dare they pepper spray me mm. all I was trying to do was break the law <laughs> and I, I think it's funny that that she that that victimized feeling that some way people have stays with them even when they are guilty they still right. feel like they are the victim right like a, a certain president, but <laughs> who hopefully, I mean, will be gone soon, definitely. But I'm crossing my fingers it's earlier than that. But that's that's a that's a discussion for another day. Um, uh, I, I, I listen. I don't want to. I don't want to rush out of here. Um, God, I mean, listen. We could talk for another three hours. I'd really love to have you back on at some point, if that's okay with you. I'm not going to put any words in your mouth or any any thoughts in your brain. I will say one funny, uh, one funny thing. Sure, sure. Go ahead. When I, uh, I've been at Penn Medicine now for 15 years. When I applied for this job, I went in for an interview. Mm-hmm. And John, who was my boss, told me, you have to meet the head of cardiology, Dr. Friedman. Dr. Friedman is my exact opposite. Mm. He is a fast-talking, <laughs> fast-walking red ball kind of guy <laughs> even though he never drinks coffee yeah and he's just always high powered high strong high you know yeah high energy you know and he's very funny he's a very likable guy he's like the jay leno of of cardiology okay but uh you know he told me hey i want you to go and meet dr friedman and and I said, are you coming with me? And, and he said, no, it's okay. Just go, go in and meet him. Oh, when wow. I walked into Dr. Friedman's office, he, he was on the phone 
yelling at someone and he was like no 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 you listen to me no 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 and he pointed at me and he pointed at the chair and he meaning he wanted me to sit down yeah and here i am sitting with a suit and and my my portfolio and i'm watching dr friedman yell at someone and he says oh okay fine who are you <laughs> oh god <laughs> no you know, someone who who had stuttering problem, who has uh, chronic anxiety, and all of everything went out the window. Right. And I wanted to say, uh, uh, I'm I'm just the janitor. I just came to pick this uh, this trash up, and I'll be. You, out you just wanted to get out of there. And I'll just... be out of a second. <laughs> and I ended up just saying, I'm Gene Bono. I'm I'm here for the interview, and and he he. Uh, in the middle of the interview, he actually said, why do you talk so slow? Mm. And I told him about everything that I just said. Yeah. And later on, six months later, he sees me and he says, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, one of the reasons why I gave you this job was because of what you said. Mm. Uh, you, without telling, without me asking, what is your greatest weakness? You kind of told me, and you kind of told me how you overcame it, and I admired that. Mm. I'm gonna tell you right now. I no, that's. I'm glad you tell that story because you know this behind the scenes, and you know that I'm not just saying this for the show. I told you privately that I admire you. For a lot of the same reasons, um, I think you're an inspiration. I, I, I mean, you inspire me, I, and I think that, you know, it, it's important as an adult, as adults, to um, not be afraid to have mentors, not be afraid to have people that you can look to as as positive examples of of kind of what to do and 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 and, and I'm not saying that you're a perfect person. I'm not saying that anybody any, anybody's a perfect person, but I mean, I can just tell you right now, um, you know, in, in the time that we have known each other, you have been an inspiration to me, legitimately. So, you know, I, I thank you for that. I, 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 I've told you this privately, but I want to thank you publicly for being who you are. Seriously, I really mean that. So, um, we're going to have to wrap up, though. Yes. Um, listen, I, I, I give all of my guests an opportunity to uh, let everyone know where they can be found on social media or anything of the sort. I don't know if you want to be found. That's up to you. Um, and I don't know if you want to uh, give everybody a link for the song or tell them where they can find it. I will put a link in the description of this episode if you want me to. Yeah, sure. Okay. And I don't have any social media like that just my facebook page gene but okay that's all you need that's all you need listen i've i've had i've had guests come on and give five or six different things i've had guests come on here and be like ah, i don't want to talk about it that's that's all that's all we need um so i'll drop a link for the song just if people want to check it out um gene i'm gonna i'm gonna actually shake your hand even though no one can see this uh, and listen, in the era of COVID, I promise we're gonna wash our hands. We're gonna we're we're very safe. I wear my mask. We're we're. I've been vaccinated. 
That, that was, oh my, we didn't even get into, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We need to get you back on the show so we could talk about your vaccination. My goodness. We didn't talk about the fact that you recovered from, is, can we talk about that? Is, yeah. That you recovered from COVID and you, you recovered, you've now been vaccinated. And I think, I mean, if you're willing, I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about that. After my second shot, we'll see if it works. <laughs> okay, it's a deal. It's a deal. Gene, thank you so much for being here, and we will be back right after this. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you do have a few options. On Facebook and Instagram, we are the same thing. It's at Things You Don't See Podcast. Again, that's at Things You Don't See Podcast. If you want to check us out on YouTube, you can go ahead and do that by typing Things You Don't See Every Day with Chris Taliaferro into the search bar. We pop right up. Actually, you can do the same thing on Facebook and Instagram if you don't want to do the whole at thing. You got options. It's cool. Lastly, we've also got some merchandise. If you go to teespring.com forward slash things you don't see every day, we have mugs, coffee mugs, so you can get your caffeine in. We've got hoodies. We've got t-shirts. We got stickers. Get a sticker. You can put a sticker on anything. Again, that's teespring.com forward slash things you don't see every day. And on Facebook and Instagram, at Things You Don't See Podcast. On YouTube, Things You Don't See Every Day with Chris Taliaferro. Just type it in. We come up. It's cool. It works. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Hello and welcome to Things You Don't See Every Day with Chris Taliaferro. I am the aforementioned Chris Taliaferro. And thank you, thank you so much for joining me for today's episode, which is going to be a little bit of a weird one, I'm not going to lie, but um, it's a story that I definitely want to share, and it is certainly the type of story that you do not come across that often. In other words, I guess you could say that you don't see it every day. It's a story about a phenomenon that I can't explain. Something that happened to me, something that I saw, that I have no real scientific explanation for. I want to be clear with something here. I am definitely what I would consider a skeptic. As much as I would love to believe in things like the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, or even the Jersey Devil, which I did a previous episode about, I just can't bring myself to believe some of the fantastical claims that people have brought to the forefront over the years 
in regards to things like cryptids, mythological creatures, UFO sightings, abductions, all that type of stuff. It It's fun to think about and it's fun to speculate about and all that, but ultimately... I don't think people are getting abducted by aliens in, you know, the the, the farms of America. I, I you know I, I don't I I don't think that uh, there is a gigantic dinosaur in a lake somewhere. <laughs> but I experienced something. I did. I experienced something that was very weird. And. I don't have an explanation for it. And I just thought that... I mean, something like... Something like what I saw is not something that you see every day. So even though I'm a skeptic, even though if I were listening to this show right now, I wouldn't believe myself, I'm going to share my story with you. And I want to see if you guys believe it I want to see if you guys think there might be anything to it. I also really hope that some of you, whether you reach out to the Facebook page, whether you reach out uh, with uh, audio messages here on anchor.fm um, or on the uh, Instagram page, I hope you guys reach out to me and give me some plausible explanations for what I saw. That's that's really <laughs> this this episode is a little bit of therapy. I'm not gonna lie. It, it, I really want somebody to debunk what happened to me because I'm a skeptic. I want somebody to be the James Randi in my life right now. I, if you guys don't know who James Randi is, I'm not gonna get into it. Uh, he he he. Okay, fine. I'll get into it. James Randi debunked a lot of uh, mystics, psychics that type of stuff in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and I believe even 2000s. I think he's retired now, but I want you guys to be my my skeptical eyes because as as much of a skeptic as I am, this is a blind spot for me. I just I know what I saw and part of me thinks what I saw is what happened. <laughs> you know, it's honestly really hard to explain without just getting into the story. So let's take a break and I will get into exactly what I saw right after this. <laughs> 